Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to DNI Spy, the podcast that uncovers what's really going on in the world of diversity and inclusion. I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys. And I'm Natasha Whitehurst. And in today's episode, we'll be exploring pay transparency for women and ethnic minority employees. And today we're joined by Ramiz Kaleem, the founder and managing director at 3R Strategy. He graduated in economics from the University College London and has over 20 years of pay transparency experience. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Dr. Julie. Hi, Natasha. Thanks a lot for inviting me onto your podcast. Okay, so the first question we'd like to ask you is back to basics. What is pay transparency? So, um, I, th- I think that's a really good question because there is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to pay transparency. And often when I'm speaking to leaders and organizations, leaders start to get really nervous because they're imagining everyone knowing everyone else's salary. But when we talk about transparency of any kind, really it's about giving people context. So how do we make decisions? Why do we manage pay the way we do? And so pay transparency is around giving people context around how we manage pay in our organizations. And uh, it's not really a binary topic. So you, it's not you either have it or you don't. It's it's a journey that we have to go through. There are a number of things and um I, I almost I like to see it as a scale. So, you know, where where are you on that pay transparency scale and how can we get towards more transparency over time? Great. And I really like the way that you can kind of talk about um, it as a scale. It's not a binary thing. Um, so you're not being transparent or not. I think that's really, really um, interesting. And I think more maybe kind of come into that in a bit more detail that I'd be keen for you to explain to guests um, and the listeners. So why is pay transparency important in your opinion? I think ultimately, uh, transparency is around building trust. So it's... Um, when we're transparent with our employees or we're transparent with anyone, what we're demonstrating is that we have nothing to hide because the process and how we manage things is fair and it's equitable. And so what we're really trying to drive through pay transparency is to get organizations to be fair and equitable in how they manage pay for their employees. And I think once you have that transparency, it builds trust with employees because they're saying we have nothing to hide. But it also encourages us to make sure that we are managing because sometimes we can take these things for granted. And this is where biases and you know conscious and non-conscious uh, come in. But if we are transparent, it makes us focus on these things to, to ensure that everything is fair and equitable. So I would say that the ultimate objective with pay transparency is fairness, equity, and building trust with our employees. And there's clearly some benefits as you move through that scale of becoming and being more transparent um, around pay. So what are the benefits? Because when we are talking to internal stakeholders, um, and as you've said, there can be a real nervousness of, oh, everybody will know each other's pay. Um, and it can be concerning, but there is a clear story here around the benefits. So can you explain that to us in a bit more detail? 
Of course. So there are um, there are lots of benefits and there's research and I'll, I'll tell you a bit about that research. But there's also um, legal requirements. So there's legislation that's coming in. There's legislation coming in a number of states in the US, including New York and California, with their pay transparency laws. For example, you have to publish a pay range when you're advertising a job. There's a new EU directive that came in at the end of the first quarter of this year, which uh, requires EU states three years to um, comply with this. So there's legal uh, legislation that's coming in, but then we're seeing real drive from employees that are and candidates that are looking for transparency. So it really impacts our ability to, well, currently it's impacting our ability to retain and engage our employees but it's really going to impact our ability to attract and recruit new talent. Uh, a recent study by Adobe, the Future Workforce Study, found that around 85% of Generation Z employees said that they probably wouldn't even apply for a job if there wasn't a salary range uh, provided alongside this. So this is all around this impacting our ability to attract and retain our employees. There's, there's a research um, that I just mentioned recently published uh, just a couple of months ago by a company called Josh Burson, which is a Deloitte company. And they found that well-communicated pay equity is 13 times more important in retaining and engaging our employees than higher levels of pay. So we can focus all our budgets and our efforts and paying people a higher salary, but what they're really looking for is, are we being treated fairly? And then, uh, and it's not just about treating people fairly. We have to communicate this because we may be treating people fairly, but if their perception is that this is not fair, then you know all of that work is wasted. So the communication and the perception of fairness is critical. And they break this down the 13 times more impactful into uh, the fact that it leads to better people outcomes. So it's better retention, engagement of employees, it's better business outcomes. So you have better financial results. Um, better customer satisfaction scores and it's better innovation and change outcomes so organize these organizations were more likely to innovate and adapt to change so there's there's massive benefits for us as organization in terms of business and productivity as well as being able to attract retain and engage our employees by building this trust so just picking up on that scale then that you referred to a few moments ago how does that connect in with those benefits? Are they related? So they are, they're, they're slightly unrelated. So the scale is something that I um, sort of try to come up with to try and demonstrate to organizations that this is not something that will happen overnight and we have to go through this journey. And so I'll, I'll just go through the scale a little bit. So uh, I broke it down into five steps and level one is what do we pay our employees? And you know, organizations know what they pay, employees know what they get paid, but there's still some work that we can do in this area, for example, by communicating the benefits available to everyone, doing things like a total reward statement, which uh, you know, explains the total value of their package. Then we move on to levels two and three, and this is where we look at, okay, why do we manage pay the way we do? And the why is all around our reward strategy and our pay philosophy. So what is the purpose of pay in our organization? Why do we pay a bonus? Why should pay progress? Should it progress because people are developing their skills, because they're performing, contributing well? And in the same way that we have a set of values that define the culture of our organization, 
we want to have a set of reward principles that will define our approach to pay. And so all of this is why do we manage pay the way we do and then communicating this to our employees at level three. And then once we've done this, then level four is around, okay, if this is why we do it, how do we do this in practice? And the how is all around your policies and your practices. So what is our career framework? What is our approach to job evaluation? What are our salary ranges? And how do people progress? And then finally, level five is making sure that all of this is communicated to employees so that employees can now see, okay, where do I sit within the career framework of my organization? And if I stay with this organization, how is my career and my pay going to progress over time? Um, and all of this takes us to level five. And so when I talk about uh, this research and well-communicated pay equity, I think we're talking about going through all of these steps, but it doesn't mean sharing people's individual salaries because, you know, for example, my personal perspective is that that's not really our place. What we should be doing is sharing salary ranges, sharing um, career progression, pay progression. And then if employees want to go away and discuss pay with other people, then they're more than welcome to do that. But that's their personal choice. And we're saying we have nothing to hide. Um, but from our perspective, that's, uh, I would say, the, the the research we'll be talking about getting through all of these steps. So that's really helpful to have that in a detailed way. And you've noticed that Julie and I are frantically writing as you were talking because um, it's interesting to see it laid out in that scale. Um, you've touched on the fact that there are challenges to implementing um, and being more pay transparent. But can you expand on that for us in more detail um, around those types of challenges? Yes, there, there are a number of challenges. I think the first challenge is um, convincing our leaders, senior leaders, that pay transparency is the right thing to do. And this is where that nervousness comes in around people talking about pay. And I think explaining it to them in this way that, you know, this doesn't have to mean sharing everyone's salaries, but we have to give people context. The legislation is coming. Our employees are not going to apply for jobs anymore. So this is something we have to do. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's also around recognizing that there are a lot of employees that are talking about pay. Now, we're working with um, a publishing company, and there's this big social media drive in the publishing sector where employees were going on TikTok and Twitter and putting their names on spreadsheets and with their salaries. And all of this information is being shared. And so you can either pretend that this is not happening or you can try and be part of that conversation, because otherwise this is what leads to the bad um, glass door reviews and the resentment and so on. So um, I think it's building that case with senior leaders that we have to do this. Then the next challenge is the communication. So how do we communicate this? And I always uh, like to use the example of, I don't know if you know Simon Sinek, who talks about starting with why and the concept of the golden circle. And I think it's a really powerful concept of, you know, we don't lead with, oh, this is what you get paid and this is what the pay range is but we lead with the why, why are we doing this? And the why, um, again, the research around pay tells us that the perception of fairness is a lot more important than what we pay people. 
So we lead with a perception of fairness and we're doing this because we want to treat you fairly. We're doing this because we want uh, ec pay equity in our organization. And so that's what we lead with. And, and that's the critical piece on the comms. And then the final challenge I would say is around our line managers, because when you look at our, our managers in most organizations, they get promoted because they're good at their job. They're good at marketing. They're good at finance. They're good at um, you know technology. And at some stage in their career, they have to manage people that were doing the job that they used to do. But they often don't get the, the training to be able to manage people. And even if they do get the training to manage people, what they never get is, how do I have a conversation around pay with somebody in my team? What if somebody asks me for a pay rise? What if I have to give somebody a pay rise? How do I have these conversations? And I think that's the critical piece is when we communicate to our employees about pay, inevitably, employees are going to have questions. And who are they most likely to go to when they have these questions? It's their line manager. And so we have to give training to our line managers on how do we have these conversations? Um, how do we uh, not avoid pay conversations? Because when we avoid these conversations, eventually people will just think the only way for me to get a pay rise is to go and work elsewhere. And that's what tends to happen. And, and so I think those are the three challenges that I, I would say are critical and, and that we need to manage. I think you make a really good point, which actually also relates to women. Because there's research uh, that's been done that really women don't ask for pay of pay rise either. So I wonder if there are any other challenges that you can think of around pay transparency for either men or underrepresented communities. I think that's where the uh, why I think that we it's not really up to us as an organisation to share salaries of individuals. It's because, like you said, in for many people and in many cultures salary is, is a private thing and people don't like to talk about it. They don't want to discuss it. And so I think that's why it's important for us not to say um, we feel that everyone should be talking to each other about pay, but it's about saying, we're going to talk to you about how we manage pay as an organization. And if you want to have those individual conversations, there are cultural sensitivities, differences. That's up to you and how you have those conversations or if you want to avoid them. Because some people, again, might choose not to have those conversations with their line managers. And I think this really comes into it from an interview process as well. And what leads to some pay inequity, because you will have people from some cultures, backgrounds that will not go into those meetings and try and negotiate a high salary so they will just accept what's given to them and what we need to do as organizations is make sure that we have a fair equitable transparent process that limits as much as possible the ability to negotiate a salary and is down to the organization is to down to the line manager to make an assessment obviously an individual can say i feel like i should get a pay rise but how do we demonstrate that this person deserves that pay rise and it's not unfair on somebody who hasn't asked about it. So it's, I think we have to put more emphasis on line managers and organizations to, to ensure that they, they are proactive and we're not just waiting for employees to come to us and say, I want a pay rise and the vocal ones always get it. So Ramiz, over the last year, there's been a LinkedIn campaign around putting all job salary ranges on vacancies. Have you seen that? Uh, what are your thoughts around that campaign? 
I, I, I've been talking about this for a while and I often get quite strong opposition from some recruiters is the question that we always ask, what is your current salary and or what is your salary history? And I think this, uh, again, this impacts women, this impacts uh, minorities, people from different cultures who, because what we're doing is if you are um, underpaid, if you are discriminated against in your current job, all we're doing is transferring that inequity from one organization to another organization. And so this is where we have to uh, really push for uh, banning this question. And this is one of the things that come in in the US when I talked about the pay transparency laws. Uh, what, what they can't do is they can't ask about salary history. This is also part of the EU directive. But again, it's going to be another... Well, there's two challenges. One is the EU directive come in, comes in uh, over the next three years for uh, member states, but we're no longer a part of the EU either. So it's not going to apply to the UK unless the government uh, proactively adopts some of these laws, which I'm hoping they will, because, for example, gender pay gap reporting is compulsory in the UK and it's not in, in Europe yet. So from being... Uh, from leading in this uh, this area, we would potentially be far behind the rest of Europe and hopefully we'll adopt some of these. Uh, but that question is something I would say is, is critical and we should try and uh, ban this. The only challenge is that we've seen this in the US, that some organizations, recruiters try and get around this question by saying, oh, what are your expectations? But again, you know, your expectations are made up of your experiences and your history. And so um, we have to make this legislation, but also try and encourage people to not get around this in any way. Exaggerating their salary. <laughs> On LinkedIn, and I always scroll down uh, because I, I try and when somebody posts a reward role in my network, I will have a look is there a salary listed? If it's a salary listed, I share it with my network. And if there's no, if there's none listed, then I then I don't. And I have to admit, a lot of the times, most of the time, there isn't a salary listed. Um, I know there are uh, a number of sites, recruitment sites, that have implemented this policy now that you can't advertise a job unless there's a pay range listed. But unfortunately, that hasn't uh, really happened on LinkedIn. And a lot of the large organizations, and I think the funniest thing, well, it's funniest, but it's also a bit depressing. If you look at a lot of the large global consultancies, they're now, you know, because it's a big thing, they're now talking about pay transparency and they're preaching on pay transparency. You go to their career site, none of their jobs have a salary range listed alongside it. So I think it's, um, we have to really, uh, I think, as candidates and as people looking at this information challenge and, and really, um, you know, uh, share this information of organizations and call them out to say, and at the same time, these are organizations that everyone's talking about, oh, we've got to focus on diversity inclusion, but we're continuing with practices that is, um, that is harming diversity and inclusion. So yes, we're all for diversity and inclusion as long as we don't have to change anything that we have to do. That's interesting, isn't it? We do hear a lot about that, don't we? Uh, we're all for diversity and inclusion as long as we don't actually have to change anything that we do. 
Um, so this conversation has been so fascinating. And as we come to the end of our time together, uh, we'd like to ask you a final question. You may be aware that we ask all of our guests this question. And we say here that inclusion is an action. So do you have a top tip or takeaway or inclusive action that you'd like to share with our listeners? I, I think I've sort of mentioned it already around that, you know, from an organizational perspective, it's don't ask that question of what is your current salary? Don't ask what is your salary history? Don't ask what is your expectation? And I always say this is a bit like going to a shop, not having a price on anything. And the shopkeeper says, well, what are you willing to pay for this? And it, it's a ridiculous you know, think to imagine, but this is what happens to us every day in the in in the job market. So that's what I would say for organizations. But and but I know that we're, you know, although we're all campaigning for this, we're a long way away from organizations stopping this completely. So for anyone listening who is maybe looking for a job or a candidate, what I would say is I know it's difficult, but try and avoid answering this question. Because, you know, the the other aspect is what recruiters might say is, you know, why are we encouraging people to lie about things? But we should be, uh, what we should say is, look, I feel like I'm underpaid uh, in my current job and I don't want my current salary to, to determine what I get paid in the future. So I would prefer not to disclose my current salary. And if they continue to push you, then it's maybe not an organization you want to work with. So that is a great top tip. And I think we'll definitely type this out in the transcript. Um, it's brilliant advice for people. Ramiz, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really, really enjoyed this discussion. Oh, thanks a lot for inviting me onto the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. And if you've liked what you've heard, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically. Thanks for listening.